Jacob Chastain, I was wondering, um, when you're teaching and when you're trying to figure things out, how much freedom do you really allow for your students to have in the classroom? I mean, like, do you ever put a limit on it or is it just like freedom? What do you do? Like, I need some <laughs> clarification. Like, what, like, freedom in what context? Like, just I don't know. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, how, uh, about some how loud people, my class gets. Maybe it could be because when you're uh, walking by or something like that, and just <laughs> it has this appearance of sometimes of freedom, you know, like the kids are just <laughs> free. So, at what point do you put a limit to it, or is it really free? And it's, I mean, is it really not full freedom? Do they get to do whatever they want all the time, or how does it work? I don't know. I mean, answer it however you feel. I feel like, I mean, I, I do have a lot of freedom, but I feel like, um, I mean, there's a lot of structure too. I mean, they come in, they jot down the standard. Uh, we do, as I take role, you know, I'll joke with them or, you know, kind of get a tone for the room. We start the lesson, do the lesson 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, we read and then we write. And now I think, so that is literally. Like 45 minutes just right there of like almost pure structure, right? Um, and so you have just the other half of the block where there is more freedom. And I kind of have always balanced it that way um, because they're in my room for 80 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, there's a bunch of different things happening. But I'm trying to simulate um, – I'm trying to simulate that process of the creative process to where there's no, you know, if I just say, Hey, we're going to sit here and write for 10 minutes, um, which I'm, that might be something I do in a mini lesson, but if that became my writing block, um, that's just a little too inauthentic for me. I don't think it's bad if people want to do it that way or whatever, whatever structure works for you works for you. But for me, I just feel like that's, that's not my process. Like, and, and for me, writing is sometimes it's waking up getting coffee, sitting down and writing for three hours. Sometimes it's me meandering, doing something, jumping on something, getting an idea and typing it down and then realizing that it really wasn't that good of an idea. So I stare at the page for a while or, you know, if I'm being creative, writing fiction or slam poetry or whatever, or something for a social media post that I kind of want to do a little extra on. Sometimes that happens spontaneously. Sometimes it happens over the course of, you know, four weeks for my poetry and stuff. Some, some of those ideas start, I mean, like years in advance, you know, I've said the teach me teacher, I wrote that first chapter a year before I even decided that there should be a book with it. So there was, that's my process. And so I try to simulate uh, that and allow for other people to have their own processes. So, you know, some, I have realized that a lot of my boys, for instance, that sometimes they really do just need to get up and dance to whatever song just came on. And it's really not that big of a deal. It doesn't bother me um, as long as they're not bothering anyone else. And that's the key rule here is in this, ah. in this chaos of workshop, the moment you disrupt someone else's process, their thinking, their whatever, that's when it becomes my problem. Or when you're like, even that's whether that's someone in the hall or outside or whatever. And so that's kind of like the general rule is you do whatever you need to do to make progress. And I'm going to hold you accountable for that progress because I'm conferring every single day. I'm keeping track of everything. And there's some soft deadlines that we need to hit. And their grades are completely pulled from that work effort piece. Um, 
so that 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 keeps them accountable to this. But you know, if they need to get up and do something, if they need to check their phone, if they need to gossip for five minutes, you know, some of the best writing conferences I have ever guided someone through has been during a series of of uh, you know gossip sharing at a table with like a group of girls. Like, oh my god, I'm so mad, and then I kind of guide them into, oh, we should write a piece about that, right? That's the joke in my classroom. Oh, Chastain, I'm just gonna tell me to write a piece about it. But that process. What I'm doing is I'm kind of allowing just for the natural effort to go. And it sometimes it can lead to chaos. You know, sometimes I have to kind of bring it back down. But, you know, I'm playing music. I'm happy because I'm jumping around and moving around. They're moving around. And it's really not restrictive. And I think that's why a lot of them feel so comfortable um, in that process. But that's also why I can kind of uh, push them a little bit because they know that, uh, you know, if you haven't written all week – but you've been doing everything else under the sun, they know that that conversation on Friday is going to be a different conversation. And guess what? Now you're on my radar. So every day you get the first visit. And so it's just, I'm just comfortable with the, with the general chaos. So to answer the question, uh, there's a lot of freedom, but it's, it's freedom, um, under certain guidelines. And the moment you break the guidelines, uh, freedom for you or even the whole class at times, which has definitely happened, uh, gets taken away. And that, that's basically my classroom <laughs> management, uh, model. Okay. Well, there you have it, everybody. Welcome to craft and draft. I'm Pam Ochoa. That person there that just answered that chaotic freedom question <laughs> is Jacob Chastain. What are we talking about today, Jacob? Today we're gonna talk. We're gonna kind of talk about independent reading. It's something that I've been wanting to hit back on. As y'all know, my goal this next year is to really kind of refocus back on reading. And I figured the, the best place to start, um, as I just think through this, is really through uh, the independent reading piece. I believe in it. I love it. I have seen kids become readers because of it. Um, and it's awesome. And we're big fans of it here. So we're going to kind of talk through that. Mm-hmm. We're also going to answer a listener question. And before I tell you that this show is sponsored and kept alive by our patrons, I want to tell you this episode is going to be a little different. You might've noticed already, but we're basically going to take a a normal craft and drafts episode and we're going to split it into two. Main reason is, is Miss Ochoa has a life and she travels and does all of these other things. And the way our schedules are currently worked out, we just don't have time to record another episode after this one. So we're going to split this into two. Apologies. But it's going to be fantastic no matter what. Uh, And then from there, we have a lot of work to do. We'll have some special announcements for our patrons who, like I said, they keep this show alive. So if you are listening to this on just the normal podcast feed uh, and, and not a part of that, then there you should be thanking them. Because they help us. And their names are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Nalissa. They sponsor this show and they get a bunch of things because of that. They get bonus episodes every single month. They get videos that no one else will get. And now starting in July, they'll be getting at minimum one professional development video that draws sometimes more. Sometimes we'll do shorter ones. Sometimes we'll do longer ones. And they get discounts on our PD that is coming up in 
in July, which news of that will be going out to patrons very soon. But we have a PD day we're going to set up, which will be uh, free for some patrons, discounted for others, and then open for anyone on the outside who wants to do that. But all of that happens because of them. All that happens because you're listening now and subscribing and reviewing the show. But let's get to it. Alrighty, Miss Ochoa. You know, the funny thing is, I don't know if you noticed this when we talk. But you're so the way my system set up is my camera is above me, right? Like it's above mm-hmm. almost eye level a little bit. My 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 dope Sony camera, but you're below me. So if you see me looking at the camera, I'm looking at myself, right? <laughs> and so, well, it's the illusion because it looks like I'm looking mm-hmm. at you right now, right? But I'm kind it of looking does. at my, yeah, I'm kind of looking at myself, but I can't see you. And I don't ever describe that to like people I interview on Teach Me Teacher because I feel like that'd be weird. So I want to look at them and judge what they're saying by how they look. So, but I, I'm I'd have to look down, and it looks like I'm not looking at you now. So it's this weird dichotomy. But in every intro, doesn't matter what I'm doing, I always I use hand motions and do it almost like I'm presenting, right? And I'm just like, I, I use my hands a lot as a, as a teacher and speaker. It's just, I just move, but it's in that intro phase. I just get animated. I don't know why. I think it's the, the performer in me instilled in me at young childhood, um, times. Anyway, I don't, you, you don't seem to be responding to that. So we're going to move on to Courtney's <laughs> no, question. I, no, you, we're you're moving on. Not my response. <laughs> you don't want my response. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, no wonder why you seem like you liked everything because you're looking at yourself. That's the right. thing is, is I have mine arranged in such a way that I can see you. Yeah. So well, I, I when have... I'm looking, when I'm looking at you, you're way up there. Well, that's so. my yeah, it's my laptop. So I, I don't know. I need a, a TV or something like over there behind the camera, mm-hmm. and then it'll be it'd be better. Regardless, uh, we have a question from Courtney. She uh, has sent us a wonderful DM. Courtney's amazing. She is always energetic, always has amazing questions. Um, but she had a question for us about star scores. And since most teachers are looking at theirs now, this might be helpful for anyone who's maybe confused or uh, doesn't have someone that can support them in kind of looking at this. But this is an interesting question. This is something we had to do some research behind before coming on here, um, just a total transparency. You know, we don't know everything, but Courtney asked, she says, I have a question. I don't know if it's topic worthy, but it's something I don't understand. She says, I just received my star scores and feel very relieved and beyond proud of my kiddos. They rocked. When I look at the results, I see three students who went from approaching last year to mastering this year. I know they grew a hundred percent of. Oh, sorry. 100% of my students passed, thank God, out of 51 students. One approach, six met, and 44 mastered. It's pretty incredible. Awesome. Awesome. They all grew like crazy, which is awesome. My question is about growth points. How do I figure out the growth points for my students, since that is what validates me as a teacher, according to my former admin? Um, She says, I took the scaled scores from this year and subtracted last year to get a number. Some kids grew over 300 points, and most are in the hundreds. I feel like I must be doing something wrong because that's crazy. Any feedback you have would be so appreciated. Hugs. All right. So growth points on the star. One, I mean, I feel like the before we even touch on growth points, one of the things that confused me on this was if you 
if we take our scaled score from last year to this year, that scaled score is always, it's not apples to apples because there's different, there's a different amount of questions, right? I'm thinking of that correct. So -hmm. just going from scale to, to scaled score, I feel like it wouldn't, it's not, it's not the comparison we think it is. So let's, let's break down this growth points thing. Um, because we, like I said, we did some, some brief research on this and whatnot. So you have a lot more experience with kind of breaking down, uh, growth points as your mad, your massive experience as a, as an academic coach and whatnot. So help us learn more about this and what you, what they were when you were kind of doing that and what they look like now. Well, uh, what I'm seeing here, well, first of all, when, when I did this, the points, uh, I don't know if this was across the state of Texas, but they would run a report, our district would, and it would have, the kid, the student would have either a two, a one, or a zero. And a two would mean that they were accelerated, that they went beyond what was expected. A one, they did what we thought that they would do. And a zero would either be no growth or negative growth. I think you could even get a negative one, but that was according to our school. But when I look it up on uh, and looked up for 2021-2022 on the state of Texas assessment of academic readiness, STAR, progress measure questions and answers. So this is on the actual website and uh, you can pull down a a PDF file, but it says, what is the star progress measure? That was the one, one question. And it says the star progress measure provides information about the amount of improvement or progress the student has made in a content area. The star progress measure is calculated based on a student's gain score, the scale score difference between the current accountability year and the previous accountability year. So according to what Courtney put up here, she's on the right track. So they do look at last year's to this year's. Uh, But then they put, it looks like they put a a chart, like they have some kind of um, conversion table. And so on the conversion table, uh, the numbers may not match. So like 1430 is the same as 1455. So if they scored a 1430 last year in the star fourth grade English, and this year in the fifth grade, and they scored a 1455, they pretty much stayed the same, and that would be considered limited progress, even though it looks like they've improved. But as you said earlier, the the tests are different, so they have to have a conversion table in there. So, um, but if they scored like in the 1300s, and then all of a sudden they got a, like a 1500, well, now you're looking at a a significant number, that would be um, probably acceleration at that point in time. So um, I'm not sure the exact points, but I do know that if you look, if you look it up, a student will have uh, uh, accelerated, expected, and limited. And those are the three areas. And so, so um, I think, think that the difference is 32 points. I think they have to be within the 32 points to get, to stay the same. Does that make sense? But when they move above 32 points, that amount above 32 points would determine 
whether or not they're accelerated or expected. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I'm not quite sure exactly. I'd have to really research it and study it just a little bit longer. But my understanding is they do... Um, they do look at the the scale score and then they have to look at the conversion table. And then from that conversion table, they determine whether they are um, accelerated or not. So here's what, if it's under 32 here, I just found this. If it's under 32 points, then it's limited. If it's above 32 points or above, it's expected up to 117 points. So if it's above 117 points, then they have been accelerated. That's what I just see here. So I think that's the conversion. So if it's if they stayed within 32 points or I guess 31 points or less, they stayed the same, then they're actually limited. They didn't grow that grade level. And so I think that's what they're looking at is did they, what, what we want our students to do is we want them to grow that grade level. I mean, a fifth grade uh, reader should be reading at a fifth grade grade level, not at a fourth grade grade level. So they look at that conversion and they determine, are they reading at grade level or not? And are, did they grow a grade level or not? And our whole goal is to, to grow them. I know that when I was an academic coach, we, they our district put that to a two, a one, and a zero. And I think they did that because it translated in the program a little bit better rather than words. And so we were always... I was always encouraging all my uh, content teachers that we've got to grow them at least by one point. That's expected. But what we really want to do is see how many we can grow by two points. And that to, and, and so the two points is not really a, it's not a two points. It's, it's that uh, accelerated. And so we really want them to accelerate it beyond what's expected so that they can be really ready, uh, you know, in that next year. So it looks like to me uh, that Courtney had some really big gains. I mean, if she's got a student that has accelerated 300 points, that's well above that 32 or 117. So I would say, I bet that, I bet next to that student's score is the word accelerated in on their star report. So, and on the star report, that's what they have and that's what it means so if your administration is looking at you if you are growing students and that's why that's why your administration would look at that are you growing students and progress growth and also districts get graded on that so if it's an accountability year then uh, they're going to be graded. That's one of the points they they grade. And when they were offering distinctions and all of that pre-COVID, that's one of the things they would look at is how, you know, did you close the gaps, right? So did you move from limited to expected? And did you accelerate the kids? And that's what they're looking at. And so if they are going to, I, I just thought of this, but I know some people are talking about that uh, merit pay, this is the kind of thing that they would probably base merit pay on. Did I answer? Yeah. Well, I was going to, the, I'm glad you pointed out the, uh, it being on, uh, the accountability. Right. So that's, uh-huh. that's that. Cause oftentimes like if you have a high performing school, sometimes growth is the hardest thing to get. 
Right? Yes. Because if you're already at the top somewhere, uh, it's really hard to go any further. So sometimes schools, that sometimes that's like the double-edged sword when it comes to accountability. Um, now, I still say growth is the thing to look at always. I think it shows a different part of the story. I think it adds to, um, you know, really deciding what happened that year. Um, it's not the whole story, but it, I think it, you know, it's a good place to start. You know, I've had times where, you know, like I, I've, I've talked about before, our, our school used to be below everyone all the time. So all we could do was look at growth because if we only looked at how we compared, we would never see anything positive. Um, right. and so it's just, it's just a, it's a nuanced thing. You know, data is really interesting. You got to figure out the stories it's telling you, but I mean, it sounds like she's knocking it out of the park. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, a hundred percent. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. So very good. Well, uh, I bet she is having them do a lot of reading because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main ways that you can get these these scores. Mm-hmm. I think the minute that you turn students onto onto reading or writing and any subject area, but really, really. Um, Gosh, the the basis for all content areas is reading and writing. You can't ignore it. So I was at a school that was, you know, it was easy to get 92 to 95 to even. At one time, I got 98% on a regular basis. So when you're looking at that 98%, if, if your kids are performing at a 95% level, well, like you said, it was really hard. And there was a lot of pressure for that growth. And I think that's when I learned what it was because it wasn't that we were maintaining. We were maintaining, but we weren't, you know, we weren't showing growth year to year with as many kids as they wanted because it's hard because to move them from 95 to 100, that's really hard. So anyway, I was going along with what you were saying because I've experienced that and it is rough. And that's why... You'll have those administrators that'll say, progress, you know, this these points are more important than just your scores. So what, you got 100. Did you grow them? Because we always get a 100. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's hard. That really is a hard one. So I was agreeing with you on that. Well, shout out to Courtney for the beautiful question. Send them in, patrons. You know you can. You can also send them in if you're not. But patrons get first in line. We try to answer them within the week that we get them. Sometimes we solicit them. Sometimes they just come, but we love answering questions. But in any case, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a two-part episode of Craft and Draft. This is the real outro. I guess I'll have to do a fake outro for part one. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. Maybe I'll just use this for both. I'll cut it both. So if you're hearing this twice, you know that we've done a a cut and paste. We'll see the energy I have. But in any case, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This has been Craft and Draft. That's Pamela Trump. I'm Jacob Chastain. We're two English teachers down here in the state of Texas. Loving what we do around reading and writing workshop. If you love reading and writing workshop too, and you want personalized PD direct contact with us or just a, a group of teachers to talk to, we have a little healthy community over there, budding over there on Patreon. If you're a patron, you get free bonus episodes every single month. You get bonus videos, and starting in July, you're getting regular PD uh, videos, including uh, all kinds of things. We're going to go all over the place. We have uh, uh, one cooking right now, so stay tuned. You're going to be announcing to that, but go join us over there on Patreon. You can support the show and be a part of keeping the show going and awesome, but if you don't want to do that, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Hit that review button, that five star. Let everyone else know that they should be listening to Craft and Draft. Share this with your PLN. Come back next week for another 
fantastic episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you. 